Hello and welcome everyone to Devour the Podcast. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Listen, asshole! No, you listen, you little bitch! You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish! Who died in my jeep? Fucking king of the zombies. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Hey there, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Devour the Podcast. This one, it's uh, a little more intimate, just you and me, you and me, baby, um, talking about some movies I've been watching and, and playing a little bit of catch up and, uh, you know, reporting back, letting you know what I've been, uh, what I've been spending my time with, whether or not you should spend your time with it, you know, there, but for the grace of, of God go you, uh, is, is sort of the plan. And like last month, last month we did a theme that was about uh, airplanes, you know, horror movies taking place on planes with the notable exception of Snakes on a Plane not being uh, part of that. So I thought uh, let's keep with the theme and with this being December, the holiest of months, why not do some Christmas related horror? But everybody does Silent Night, Deadly Night and that kind of thing. So instead I have a trilogy of Krampus films to talk about, uh, but we'll do that on the back end. That'll be our, our, our coup de grace as, as they say. So let's get to it. Let me, uh, let, let's just get into, uh, some of the stuff that I've been watching. Uh, look, there's no trailer for this and I'm not going to include this as part of, you know, I usually do about seven of these per show and, and I'm not going to include this as part of it. I just want to give a special, a uh, moment of recognition to the show Mystery Science Theater 3000 for coming out with a new season. It's or a smaller season, a six episode. Um, the Gauntlet is what they call it uh, on Netflix. And I got to say, if you are a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, these six episodes are tremendously funny. Um, a couple of notable inclusions in that list of six films are Atlantic Rim, which is the mockbuster asylum version of Pacific Rim. That's a very funny episode. Uh, Mac and me is, is very funny. They, uh, also do killer fish, which is the Lee majors piranha film. And it's a delight as well. I just look, I'm a big mystery science theater fan going back to, you know, before I even went to college, I think. And I just, it's a sensibility that really appeals to me. And if you enjoy mystery science theater, I can't recommend, uh, the gauntlet enough. I think it's a a really, really well done collection of movies and it's ridiculous funny. And it kind of inspired me to go back and watch uh, a little more mystery science theater. And, like I watched the Mitchell episode again recently because that is also hysterical. Um, their bit about Mitchell walking upstairs and everything he looks at just looks like food to him. Or he's like, you know, these steps kind of look like little cakes, you know, that kind of thing just hits me right. And, and so at any rate, if you haven't seen it, mystery science theater, 3000, the gauntlet available on Netflix. I, I can't think of a bad episode 
in that run off the top of my head. I thought it was just tremendous. But now, let's get into the real reviews. So let's start with a movie that I mistakenly watched for an episode of the podcast Under the Stairs, where we were talking about a couple of killer animal movies, and I thought for some reason we were going to be talking about Zombievers, and we weren't. I just ended up watching it. And maybe that's okay, because it's a movie I'd been meaning to watch. A couple of people had recommended it to me, and I wasn't sure that I was into it. It seemed a little too, I don't know, sci-fi movie in, in terms of what it was doing. And then I watched Zombievers, and uh, you know what? Here, let's just play the trailer, and then we'll get into that. What is that? Looks like a beaver dam. Let's go take a look. You girls from out of town? We're staying over there in my cousin's place. We were looking for beavers. Well, hell, ain't we all? Well, I've had enough excitement for one day. What was that? Someone in there? There's a beaver in the bathroom! Can we please go swimming now? Ever occurred to any of you that there might be more beavers? The fuck? Is that blood? Holy shit! Never seen a real beaver before, close. Well, maybe you should try going down on me once in a while, but we cannot turn against each other right now. That is exactly what the beavers would want. Beavers are generally more active at night. Their road's locked. We sure as hell can't get through on foot. Fuck a bag of dicks! There's no way I'm jumping up for this. So Zombievers is from 2014. It is described this way. A fun weekend turns into madness and horror for a bunch of groupies looking for fun in a beaver-infested swamp. Eh, I mean, kind of, sure. Um, it is directed by Jordan Rubin. And this is his only feature. Uh, there is another film that is... I uh, Is it a feature called The Drone that, that's upcoming? With um, a, a killer, uh, you know, like s a sentient drone um, that is, uh, you know, like one of them buzzy drones that flies around and whatnot. At any rate, he's worked in television forever and ever and, and, and seems to know what the fuck he's doing. So uh, Jordan Rubin directed, it is written by Al Kaplan uh, and Jordan Rubin, as well as John Kaplan, one assumes they are brothers or lovers, um, and stars Rachel Melvin as Mary, Courtney Palm as Zoe, Lexi Atkins as Jen, Hutch Dano as Sam, Jake Weary as Tommy, Peter Gerwire as Bob, um, so, uh, you know, what to say about Zombievers, um, it, it does present itself as a very silly film, and it is a very silly film. Uh, Bill Burr has, a, you know, I don't know if he's credited. I didn't see his name in the credits, but I, I assume uh, he is credited as one of the truck drivers who 
lets, you know, some chemical waste bounce off the back of his truck and it goes into the water and some beavers um, bite into it and become zombievers. And the thing I like about zombievers is that it's kind of cheap. The zombievers themselves look like, you know, crazy zombie beaver puppets, which is exactly what they ought to look like for a film like this. There is a turn in this movie, though, where I thought, you know, once they start fighting these beavers, I mean, how exciting can it really be? Um, you know, once it gets to, into the meat of, of the film. But then it takes a turn where it goes into this body horror arena where if you are bitten by a zombie, you kind of become a zombie, not just a zombie. And it leads to some truly hysterical moments. And I can be fairly sensitive about unnecessary nudity in films. And this is one of those movies where it, it is so clear that they are the, the directors and the writers and the cast and the crew and blah, 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 that they are all making this parody of this kind of film, but also being a good version of this kind of film. And that it's all kind of a goof and, so I don't get beside myself, even though there's a, a fair amount of nudity in in this movie. Um, I think it's all kind of great, and and it even has a uh, a blooper reel at the end of the of the film that were, that the credits roll over, and that maybe is the thing that won me over completely. Um, is that the movie was self aware enough to be like, no, 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 not only was this ridiculous, let's show you some shots of the production of this movie and everyone is laughing hysterically at what the hell they're doing. And it, yeah, I thought Zombievers was strangely charming. Uh, I, I would say, and I got a lot of laughs out of it. I thought it was a, a fun film. You know, it clocks in at like an hour 20. So it is certainly not eating up a whole lot of your time. It gets in, it does its, its thing. It gets out. I, I think it's all uh, kind of great. So, uh, on a scale of five stars, you know, one being lowest, five being highest, half stars are allowed in our, uh, rating scale. You know, uh, this seems high, but I'm probably going to say it's a four star film because I just had such a great time with it. it yeah, it was a real blast. I, I had a great time with Zombievers and I would recommend it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's it, like I said, it's very silly. I go into it expecting a horror comedy and that's what you're going to get. So, uh, that is Zombievers, our first film. Um, but, but folks, that's not the last by any stretch. Let's get in to the Pascal Logier, Logier. Uh, I can never remember how to pronounce that. I think it's Logier, uh, Logier, the Pascal Logier, uh, film from this year. So, Incident in Ghostland, or Ghostland, the original title of it, uh, was released this year, uh, and it is described like this. A mother of two uh, who inherits a house is confronted with murderous intruders on the first night in their new home and fights for her daughter's lives. Sixteen years later, when the daughters reunite at the house, things get really strange. And so this is written and directed by Pascal Loger, who, of course, did Martyrs. I mean, that's... The, the flag that he has planted in the in the realm of horror. And it's an impressive one. And it uh, it stars Crystal Reed as the grown-up Beth. Uh, sort of the main character of the film. Anastasia, or Anastasia Phillips as Vera, the older sister. Or the, uh, is she younger? 
I don't remember. It ain't right. Doesn't matter. Um, and then there are young versions of both of those. The young Beth is Amelia Jones. The young Vera is uh, Taylor Hickson. And they're okay. So I, I'll tell you what. The, here's the trailer for it. Patrick had a vague feeling something was about to happen. Something in the breeze of twilight had whispered, It's going to happen tonight. Are you just passing through? No. We're moving here into Aunt Clarice's house. Okay, what's the story about? Some guy's been breaking into people's homes, murdering the parents, and sparing the daughters. He stays in the house with her, along with the parents' dead bodies. I like to write stories. Incident in a Ghost Land is your most personal book so far. Your sales are through the roof. They adore you. Hello. Please, you have to come back. Vera. They never should have stayed in that house. Capacity to create your own world. I guess the question is why write this book? To keep from going insane. <laughs> she keeps reliving that night over and over. Are you gonna let me die alone? Never should have stayed in that house. Nobody's here. No one is here, Vera. I know what you want from your sister. They broke me, and now they're playing with you. Do you understand now, Beth? What did you do to me? Except what happened. Tell me what you did! Stop running away! Okay, so what to say about this? It is the closest to doing another film like Martyrs that he's done thus far. Uh, Logier, I mean. Um, you know, he did Tall Man and he did... Uh, is that it? Has he, he's directed more than those three films, right? Um, Martyrs, House of Voices. I guess that's it. So Ghostland is, or Incident in a Ghostland is... One of the few, and and he's mining some of the same territory in the sense that you have two female characters who are being um, assaulted by uh, an outside force. Um, there, in this one, though, there is some question about what is real and what is not, and that's sort of how it builds its tension, is what what is really happening, what is not really happening, even if... You do think you know what's going on. Do you really? And it's mostly successful at that, I would say. I don't know that I think that Incident in a Ghostland is a great film. I think it's pretty good and certainly disturbing. Um, it not Again, not to the level of Martyrs, but, you know, it nothing is ever going to be as good as Martyrs that he will ever do because there are a few films as good as martyrs, but what it does that that's good that like the, the performances are good. It's got a compelling enough, uh, story. It's got some twists. It's got some, um, some good villains 
in in the sense that they're villainous. I mean, they're horrible characters, but they they are um, characters that you are going to root against as opposed to for, which is a, a trap that a lot of horror movies fall into uh, inadvertently at times. It's it it is very good. It's not great. It is a, a tough watch because of the brutality that that Logier likes to employ and and does so here just like he he did in Martyrs and and other films. I haven't seen Tall Man. I need to watch that. That's neither here nor there. Maybe next time around we'll talk about Tall Man. At any rate. Um yeah, so on a scale of 1 to 5, I think Incident of Ghostland comes in I think it's about a three and a half. I think it's it's certainly worth your time. I think you should watch it. I don't know that it's by any stretch a classic, but I don't know. I there are also things about the movie that I feel like I need to go back and watch it again and see if I can suss more out of it. If there is in fact uh, some deeper meaning to be had in the film, and and it certainly deals with trauma and the the weight of that as you get older that you can't really shake. Um, a, a violent experience from your past that it, it has ways of haunting you. And that's sort of the ultimate theme of the story. But there is also some stuff of like, well, did this really happen or maybe not? And anyway, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it is an interesting film. So three and a half stars for incident at Ghostland. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. If you've seen that film, uh, drop me a line. Okay. So let's get to our next film. Uh, that's, Two down, five to go. Let us then turn our attention to the film Feral, and here is the uh, the trailer for that. How you doing, city girl? Say nothing, country girl. I'm really glad you came. Me too. So how did you two meet, anyway? At the rabbit hole. So what were you doing on dog? <laughs> Looking for cheap sex. And I found it. <laughs> it looks like it got attacked by a wild animal. When it comes back. Somebody needs to hike back and get some help. Nearest human being, 50 miles away. Sun setting. They will be back. They all will. You don't understand what's coming. You have no idea. I'm scared. Me too. I don't want to die. It lies dormant in the daytime, but at night, the virus wakes. Could this get any worse? You haven't seen worse yet, but it's coming. You gotta put a bullet in her head. She's our friend. Our friend is about to rip us apart. You should listen to me. I don't trust you. Back off. Got this? I got this go. They're gonna return. You're gonna die. They're here. So, Feral from 2017 is described uh, very simply as students fight to survive a weekend in the woods, which is accurate, uh, but I think leaves stuff out, right? It is uh, 
written and directed by Mark Young, uh, co-written with Adam Frazier. It starts uh, Halloween's, Rob Zombie's Halloween's, owns Scout Taylor Compton. Uh, Olivia Lucardi plays Jules. Uh, Scout Taylor Compton is, is playing uh, Alice. Lou Temple as Talbot. Renee Olstead as Brienne. Uh, Brock Kelly as Jesse. Lantry Albright as Gina. George Fenn as Matt. And uh, then, you know, monster people. So, uh, you know, I, I went into this because it seemed a little bit less of a zombie film. Which, you know, I'm always on the hunt for a good one, whether it's it's zombie movies or just creature movies or whatever. I, I like that stuff. Uh, you know, I'm a horror fan. What do you want? But Feral, I thought, seemed interesting because it was dealing with, hey, uh, we've got this zombie outbreak thing happening. And here's uh, a lesbian couple at the center of it. And and so that's what it is. It's just kind of a, a, a zombie film with aggressive, fast zombies and uh, the twist is that your two central characters are your main character is kind of is gay and has a, a girlfriend there with her. And there's some business about like whether her friends accepted and so forth. And it's OK. It, I don't know that I wanted to get up on a soapbox about anything here. And it, it certainly does not. But I also felt like it, it was kind of lightweight in its examination of you know, what that, what that situation is like. Um, there, there's a deal where, uh, Scout Taylor Compton's a guy that she hooked up with once upon a time is real jealous about, uh, the girlfriend that she has now. And, you know, but it doesn't really come to anything. And I guess that's my problem with feral as a whole is that it feels like a movie that, is too abbreviated that it's sitting on some good themes and some good ideas, but it just doesn't. And none of that stuff ever really comes together in a way that, that feels satisfying. I don't think it's a bad movie that like some of the makeup work is, is pretty good. Uh, I do like the fact that the zombies are like, they're dead. Certainly they're not human beings no more, but also that there is this, um, like animal aggression to them that I kind of like. And this need, like, all they want to do is just bite other people so that they can make more feral uh, monsters and whatnot. I guess they do eat a couple of people. At any rate. Um, but it feels very contained. It's a very isolated uh, sort of story. Um, all this is taking place in the woods uh, and a couple of cabins and that kind of thing. And there's, you know, of course, there is the dude who probably knows more than uh, there that he is letting on and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, again, it, you just wish that a movie like this took the opportunities it had to do something interesting with these characters and this situation. And it just never manages to do that. It, it's not terrible. Um, it's just disappointing. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Feral from 2017. Um, so let's rate this up. I don't know that we need to spend a whole lot of time just talking about how this movie kind of disappointed me. Um, I would say hey, if you're itching for a zombie movie, you could do worse, but you can certainly do a lot better. Um, it, it's more interesting, I suppose, from the point of view that, hey, this truly is a, a movie that is sort of embracing like LGBT characters and not demonizing them. Certainly. I mean, they are the, the heroes of the film and so forth. Um, so yeah, it, it's on that end. It, it's okay. It's just, 
you know, it I, I found it kind of meandering and dull, especially in the towards the end of the second act. And uh, at any rate, uh, so let's grade this up. So that's going to be two stars for Feral feels about right. Um, that, you know, again, rating stuff is always silly ultimately because it's like, well, yeah, it's two stars, but you know, I might give two stars to something else that has a much bigger budget. And this film is ultimately more successful than that one. But you know, it's all uh, an arbitrary scale. So two stars for feral. Okay. So let's get to our next film which is a movie called what, what the waters left behind. And here is a, uh, a trailer for that. I've never felt so free. For we sick. You saw me on your dream. I see you waiting for So What the Water is Left Behind is uh, written and directed by Luciano Onetti and Nicholas Onetti and uh, co-written with uh, Carlos Goita. Goitia? Something. Goitia. Something like that. At any rate, it is a uh, Argentinian film from last year and it uh, it is synopsized thusly. The plot revolves around a group of young people that take a trip to the ruins in order to film a documentary about uh, Epicuin. Ignoring the warning, which is an abandoned city, ignoring the warnings, and after a brief tour, they get stranded in the abandoned village. Contrary to what they thought, they begin to realize that they are really not alone. So, the premise of the movie is very cool, which is there is this city in Argentina called Epicuin. And it was no shit like a tourist city in uh, Buenos Aires, uh, the Buenos Aires province in Argentina. And in 1985, yes, 1985, there was a, uh, a flood and the entire city got flooded and the city was just abandoned. Like it was underwater until I think like 2010 and the water has kind of subsided, but the you know nothing's ever been rebuilt and that kind of thing. So the idea is that these uh, kids are going to go take the tour. They're you know doing kind of extreme tourism sort of thing, going to this city, uh, abandoned city, and checking it out and and seeing what's there. 
And obviously things go horribly, horribly wrong and people start disappearing and, and so forth. But okay. So here's kind of the thing about what the water's left behind and, and uh, mild spoilers. Um, it is essentially a ripoff of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Only there's not, is there a chainsaw? There might even be a chainsaw in this movie. I think there is now that I think about it. It is, uh, it's frustrating because I like everything about this movie except for everything about this movie. I like the premise a bunch and I like, uh, I like even the, the idea of what it's going for it just borrows a little too heavily from those like Marcus Nispel remakes of um, Friday the 13th and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It looks kind of muddy and shitty, uh, which it should. You know, we're talking about a, a flooded area and whatnot, but I'm saying the, the quality of the, the color looks a little muddy and shitty. It resolves itself into um, a like a surprise ending, a twist ending where I was just like, just go fuck yourself. It is not satisfying in any way. It is silly. It is frustrating. I wish this were a better movie. I really, really do because I, I so like the idea like, it's a true story. Like the, the idea that this, this town was abandoned and, uh, was left to its own devices and that something remained behind, you know? And, uh, unfortunately the execution of it just isn't all that compelling. Uh, and it's, it's a shame because I was, I was deeply, deeply into this movie really wanted this, uh, to be cool and it just never got there. So, um, on a scale of one to five, uh, boy, it's, it's tough to say cause I know what's coming and I don't want to give this too low a grade cause I need a bottom. Um, so I'm going to say this is another two star film. It, it, the premise is cool. There, there are some things about it that, hey, if you just want to see a, you know, a, a TCM ripoff, the, just because you want to see some, you know, mindless violence and whatnot, and certainly gorier than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but there are scenes that are lifted directly from that movie, and it, it's very clear what the inspiration was. So, if you want to see something that looks like something you already seen, by all means, uh, what the water's left behind will uh, potentially scratch that ish. Itch. It's just, again, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, only not as good. Uh, so that two-star film is going to uh, rest there. Next up, folks, let's uh, let's get into this shit. Um, our last three films of the evening are going to be holiday-themed, because I am nothing, uh, dear listeners, if not filled with the holiday spirit. So let us begin by listening to the trailer for Krampus, the Christmas Devil. Follows the same pattern. 
He's gonna stop Christmas Eve night, and we're gonna lose him. We have to get him right away. We're here to help them. Okay, from 2013, Krampus the Christmas Devil is described thusly. Jeremy, a local police officer, leads a life of a confusing past. Spending his current time searching for his kidnapper as a child, after other children begin missing, Jeremy pieces together the truth and realizes that his childhood kidnapper could be a creature of ancient Yuletide lore, Krampus, who is the brother of St. Nick and punisher of children who perform acts of unspeakable evil without repercussion. Can Jeremy kill Krampus and prevent more missing children? Question mark. This is written and directed by Jason Hull, uh, who did this movie and Krampus, The Devil Returns. What other movies has he directed? So you know never to watch them. The Four, Chasing Darkness, and Nickel and Dime to Death is in pre-production. Um, okay. So... <laughs> Oh, I should probably do some stars. Uh, Bill Oberst Jr. is probably the biggest uh, name in the uh, in the film. Um, uh, who plays Brian Hatt, who's uh, kind of a criminal. Uh, Jay Dobbins plays Bob Norris. Uh, Darren Foltz plays Dave. Richard Gatteri plays Captain Gil Farabee. Michael Mill uh, plays Bartender Harry. And blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. This is all... Garbage. Krampus the Christmas Devil from 2013 is a terrible, terrible movie. Um, it is confusing. The story makes no sense. It weaves in and out of flashbacks and flash forwards. And it looks like crap because it's shot so cheaply. And it's not lit well enough most of the time. Um, what special effects are in the film are chintzy. It so here's here's the thing. I don't want to just spend a bunch of time bagging on a, a cheap indie film for not being good because so few most movies aren't good. Quite frankly, there most movies are either average or terrible, and then uh, there is about an equal amount that are average to great. You know, I believe in the bell curve uh, of of movie quality for the most part. But Krampus the Christmas Devil is noteworthy because it doesn't get anything right. It looks bad. The music. Uh, such as it is, is really terrible. The performances are generally bad. I, I have a soft sp spot for Bill Oberst Jr. I think he's a pretty good actor who shows up in a lot of, you know, B to Z films. But this is, like, nothing he can do in this movie is going to make it any better because he's just wedged into this story that's about, is it about kidnapping? Is it about, like child abduction is it about a monster is it about these criminals it all just comes together in a really really messy way and for a movie that is an you know not 90 minutes long i would be hard pressed to explain to you what exactly happened in the movie because it's all just such a fucking mess so let us grade this thing i don't like i i can't talk about it too much because all i can tell you is i don't know what happened in this movie I, all I know is that it was done badly. 
So um, Krampus the Christmas Devil is the worst thing I've seen in some time. And as such, it gets a single star, a one star from me. Um, so, uh, let us continue though, because that's where I began. That's the first Krampus movie I watched. And I was like, are you kidding me? Have I, have I done something horrible to myself? It is a stinker. But then, then folks, I watched a short film called night of the Krampus, which is also available on, uh, I believe it's Amazon prime. So anyway, I don't even know if there's a trailer. If not, I'll play a little clip from the movie. Cause you got to hear some of this night of the Krampus. list no sign of forced entry santa's gone postal you're not far off he's called krampus santa rewards the good kids krampus punishes the wicked All right, so when I fired this thing up, all I saw was that it was called Night of the Krampus, and this is also from 2013. And I knew that it was, uh, it had Krampus in the title, and I was like, I should probably watch this uh, because I'm watching Krampus movies, right? And I had no appreciation for what this movie was or what this short film was. It, it only runs uh, like 20-ish, 30 minutes, something like that. The director has only done short films other than a movie called The Night Shift in 2011. And that seems to play into the Krampus thing. And, all right, so, God, it's just so confusing. So Night of the Krampus is a story about Krampus let loose and stealing kids, but it is really about this group of supernatural crime fighters question mark that uh, uh, seem to appear throughout a lot of uh writer director Thomas Smith's work. And so here's the synopsis. According to legend on Christmas Eve, Santa Claus travels with a creature known as Krampus while Santa rewards the good children. Krampus punishes the naughty, but that's just a myth or is it? When the naughty kids of a suburb begin to vanish in the weeks leading to Christmas, all evidence points to the creature's existence. In this follow-up to The Night Shift, it's up to supernatural investigators Rue Morgan, Claire Rennefield, and skeletal sidekick Herbie West to solve the mystery, save the children, and face off against the deadly Krampus. So, folks, I don't know if you heard that right. The skeletal sidekick... So, it's... There's a dude who is dead, and he is only allowed to leave the cemetery if the lady, Claire, says that he can. And then they go off and do, um, 
you know, like investigate and whatnot. And in the meantime, the dude who is dead and is uh, Rue Morgan is his name, uh, the character's name, um, are like go off to investigate. He's got a backpack filled with, uh, is it Soren? Maybe is the uh, Herbie West this skeleton that he has in a in like a papoose, like when C three PO got ripped apart and Chewbacca was carrying him around for a little bit. It's that kind of thing, and the the skeleton is real quippy, and so for a second it took me completely out of you know, the, the intent of all of this, of watching a, a Krampus movie. And instead I'm like, what is going on here? Why is there a skeleton in a backpack on the hunt for Krampus? And it's kind of a kid's movie, but it's a little too violent for that. And also like it, it's, so it, it feels like it's somebody inventing a kid's series on their own. And it's, fucking bizarre but also i kind of love it and like i i i'm not gonna go back and watch it again or anything but for the 20-ish minutes that i was i was watching this thing i was or 30 minutes i guess is the runtime on it i was transfixed because i couldn't make head head or tails of it It, it's like if i was watching a movie that uh was in a language that did not exist on earth that there were no subtitles for and you're just trying to piece together what in the hell everyone's talking about it's that kind of thing it's just crazy and i kind of recommend looking into it like you shouldn't watch the whole thing but you should watch like the first 10 minutes just so you can get a, a slight appreciation for the fact that i started watching this thing and was like, wait a second, what is going on? Why do we have like a ghost detective coming out of the cemetery to investigate Krampus? It it blew my mind. As a result, on our scale of one to five stars, I'm gonna have to give Night of the Krampus a solid three stars just for being in, inscrutable in so many ways. Um, so yeah, I don't. Again, I don't. I'm not recommending it, but I'm, I'm kind of recommending that you at least look at it. If you've got Amazon Prime, just give it give it a, a five or ten minute peek to see how crazy it is that this low budget kids movie slash show was being created. It, it's head scratching. I'm telling you, I can't believe it. Um, so none of the Krampus happened, and then and then, folks, to to cap off my Krampus viewing. I watched Krampus Unleashed, uh, which uh, here's the trailer for that. There's an evil moon in the sky tonight. I've seen this once before. This is too weird. James! Babe, where'd you go? I'm not liking this. Dad? Grandpa? Tommy, you stay close to me! Someone there? It's comic. Who? Krampus! Right. Stand by dispatch, I'm on my way. All the weather outside is frightful, but a fire There's Jack! Sweep the shrink, but whatever that is out there! Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. I fired a ton of buckshot, but it just kept coming. Bullets won't kill him. Hell, an A-bomb won't. 
Becca. Yeah. Go, 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 all the way home, I'll be born here. Run, 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 as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Krampus Unleashed is from uh, 2016. It is written and directed by Robert Conway, uh, who you may know as the writer from The Covenant and Exit to Hell and the encounter or probably not. Um, so, so, uh, who else stars in this thing? Anybody? Uh, Amelia Brantley is Bonnie. Um, Emily Lynn Aiken is Amber. Uh, Daniel Link is Dave. Tori Osborne is Vivian. Linda Kushma is Alice. It's, uh, nobody you've ever seen, at least nobody I've ever seen. And, it is synopsized thusly. In pursuit of buried treasure, a group of fortune hunters unearth an ancient demonic summoning stone that holds a terrible curse and awakens a timeless evil, the Krampus. After centuries of slumber, Krampus has awoken with a thirst for blood. So, all right, this is not the most movie of the Krampus movies because it's really bad, but it at least operates like a movie ought to. Like, at the beginning of the movie, you have a bunch of people trying to uh, steal some gold or some shit, and they they accidentally dig up uh, a medallion. And, like, apparently somebody was related to Santa Claus that buried this treasure or something. It's so dumb. And uh, there's a medallion that ends up getting broken and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of it, like, they, they let this Krampus monster loose, and it starts killing people and whatnot. And... You know, then we forget all about the bank robbers because who cares? And but at at the end of the day, it's just kind of a dumb monster movie. It's just not very good. It like there's no set piece in it that's really exciting. The end of it takes place in a mine or something, and it's all just dark and terrible. Uh, Krampus himself looks stupid. And he looks like uh, Merle Olson from uh, <laughs> Little House on the Prairie, and. The thing that I keep coming back to, like the notes that I made about this movie are, this is a sci-fi monster movie, only not as good. It is, it's just a little bit cheaper, it's a little bit more poorly written, a little bit more poorly directed, just a general execution is just kind of bad cover to cover on this one. And yeah, and that's kind of it. I mean, it's it's a movie that I, I don't really hate because it's barely a movie, you know, it's a very rudimentary plot that doesn't make a lot of sense and doesn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny. And then a monster that doesn't look very good. And at the end of the day, they just kind of wraps up in his end. So, mm, uh, Krampus unleashed, uh, is not the stinker that, uh, Krampus, the Christmas devil is, it's nowhere near as bad as that. It's just not very good. And so as a result, I'm just going to give it a star and a half and say, all these Krampus movies can just go. The only one that was halfway decent was night of the Krampus. And that wasn't decent. It was just crazy pants. 
and I appreciate it on that level, but none of this Krampus stuff is any good. Uh, I still haven't watched, because I'm recording this earlier in December, I still haven't watched the honest-to-goodness Michael Doherty Krampus, which I will because that's kind of a great Christmas horror film. But like that and Gremlins are kind of my double feature for Christmas Eve. So, uh, at any rate... Um, I think that's going to do it for this time around. I really appreciate you guys listening uh, to to the review stuff and and giving me your feedback and let me know what you've been watching. And I, I appreciate all that stuff. If you want to reach me, you can uh, get hold of me. Let me know what's been going on with your movie viewing for December over on uh, the Devour the Podcast Facebook page. Just search for Devour the Podcast on Facebook and you'll find it. Um, also, legionpodcasts.com. Uh, which is where you can find all the Devour the Podcast stuff, as well as a number of other great shows. You can email me, if if such a thing uh, strikes your fancy, at boatlegionpodcasts.com. It's plural, uh, with an S, S.com. And, um, yeah, I think that's kind of it. I haven't really been doing the Twitter stuff uh, of late. I'm, uh, social media in general just blows my mind. You know, it just doesn't seem like a place to have an, a genuine discussion, which is why I like our Facebook group. I know Facebook is, uh, you know, steals all your data and whatnot. Uh, but all those social media sites do, um, unless you, Hey, look, if you, if you can tell me a good social media space where people aren't monsters and not the fun kind, just, you know, moral, ethically challenged monsters. If you can tell me where a place like that exists, where we can talk about horror movies, uh, then I'll go. You you let me know. Um, hey, coming up, we've got a new episode of Hero Hero Go Show uh, coming in a, a week after you listen to this. And then two weeks after you listen to this will be our, our fancy schmancy Blair Witch Project uh, show, which is uh, a lot of work. And, and I, I think it's going to be quite good. So um, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks uh, if you would, you know, rate, review, subscribe, smash that like button, whatever uh, the common parlance is for just, you know, helping out the show and telling people that you're enjoying what you're listening to, uh, reviews do help. That actually does help. So I, I don't mean to be dismissive of that. You, you should review devour the podcast if you haven't on, you know, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to it. Um, okay. So folks, uh, thanks as always. I'll see you next week with hero, hero go show. Bye everyone. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. Devour.